look, it's great to see Penn State win and all and get a shutout against Michigan State, but I can't help but think what could have been. Honestly, what should have been for this Nittany Lion team in 2023? You are Locked On Nittany Lions, your daily podcast on the Penn State Nittany Lions, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, Penn Staters? Thanks so much for making Locked On Nittany Lions your first listen and watch every single day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Zach Seiko, bringing you all things Penn State Nittany Lions coverage. You got to download the Game Time app. Use promo code Locked On College for $20 off your first purchase. If you aren't already, become an everyday or subscribe to the Locked On Nittany Lions YouTube channel. And wherever you get your podcast, let me know in the comments your takeaways from this one as we're going to recap it all. But I want to start big picture here talking about, well, what what could have been for Penn State in 2023 and then recap the game, go through the box score and everything else. And then look ahead. What's next for Penn State going into a yes, New Year's six bowl game? We can all but guarantee it. Actually, we can guarantee it. Yeah, they're going to a New Year's Six Bowl game. We'll discuss that offensive coordinator search in the final segment. I'm frustrated. I, I, I am. No, not at the game, not at the win. Penn State wins 42 to nothing over Michigan State. It was a great all-around game. Offense looked complete. They looked unstoppable. Defense showed us everything that they have been all season. They're elite. They are truly uh, un- unbreakable. I can't, d- defense isn't unstoppable because they're the ones stopping the offense, right? Sounds a little contradicting, but oh man, what, what could have been? What should have been for this Penn State team in 2023? This was a college football playoff caliber type of team. I can sit back and honestly say that. You had the elite defense, the playoff caliber defense. With an offense that, yes, was still in its really, really still of its early life cycle, its early stages. Drew Aller only attempted how many passes as a true freshman? He was a first year starter. And you still had the young running back dynamic duo. I understand that. You had new wide receivers emerging. Okay, Parker Washington, Mitchell Tinsley leave. You had a good amount of veterans last year and still Keandre Lambert Smith stepping up, but Dante Cephas new to the program. Uh, Amari Evans, we've seen him emerge here late, better late than never, right? But Liam Clifford, not a lot of playing time. Caden Saunders, not a lot of playing time. Malik McLean transfers in, right? A lot of new guys in the wide receiver room. You did have some consistency with Theo Johnson and Tyler Warren. But, and and the offensive line, the offensive line was great. Uh, best it's been in a decade here. But I got to say, this team really should have been in the conversation I'm I'm not saying that this team was a clear-cut top four team. They're elite. They're Georgia caliber. That's not what I'm saying here. But I look at all of the one-loss teams, whether that's Louisville, Texas, Oregon, right? Those schools, Penn State, if they had everything clicking and they had figured it out, I mean, that's why you do it in the season because you're supposed to prove if you have it or if you don't have it. I get it. But the potential was there. That's why a switch at offensive coordinator was made, was needed, was justified. I'm not saying this is all on Mike Yersich. And Michigan State is not a good football team this year. The program, uh, it sounds like they're going to get the Oregon State head coach, but that's a different conversation for a different time. Uh, when we have plenty of the offseason to talk about it, right? But 
I can't help but look at this team and the way that they performed all season long against Iowa. They blew out the opponents. It's not like other than Indiana, they really didn't play a lot of close games that they shouldn't. They won the way that they were supposed to in all of the other games except Ohio State and Michigan. What paid me the most watching this game was that graphic they put up of James Franklin at the Thanksgiving table, and they had, oh, in the last few years, uh, I hasn't gotten a win against Ohio State and Michigan, and then they're undefeated against the rest of the Big Ten, and it's like, yeah, that's just where Penn State is. They are truly on an island. They're in college football purgatory when it comes to all of this stuff. And as I sit back, it just makes me wonder, how good this team actually could have been because you have the talented quarterback. It's crazy to think when Drew Aller has time to go through his progressions, to sit back, has the running game to take some of that pressure off of the passing game, that he's able to sit back, really have clean mechanics, and pick apart a defense. And his receivers are getting open. You notice how Penn State threw it to so Drew Aller throw it to threw it to so many different players. In the offense today, it wasn't just condensed to Theo Johnson, Tyler Warren, and Keandre Lambert-Smith. He targeted KLS. He targeted Cephas, Johnson, Warren, Amari Evans, Singleton, Allen. It didn't matter. He was throwing the football over all over the place, and it was great to see. Where was that all season? I understand the caliber of the opponent, but it's not like we saw that against West Virginia. Or saw that AS Delaware to an extent, right? UMass, because those games ended up finishing in blowouts too. Uh, and I, I'm not sure. Nicholas Singleton, right? Getting the ball quickly on, on essentially what is a bubble screen uh, to that point. Not, not really, but it's just uh, a stop, catches, waits for his blocking, gets into open space. The concepts, the things that Penn State fans, that myself on this show we're talking about all season long. Look, I'm not saying it's easy to be an offensive coordinator, a quarterback at, at any level of football, high school, college, NFL, you name it, okay? Armchair QB and armchair coordinator are the easiest positions to play. However, we notice all these things all season long. It's not like a rocket scientist had to look at this and say, well, Singleton needs to get outside of the numbers because that's where he's most effective. Or maybe we need to see some things from other wide receivers like an Amari Evans or a Caden Saunders or just run some things differently schematically to help the run game offset the pass game, the, the challenges of passing game, right? Caliber the opponent. I totally get it. But this was still a Big Ten opponent. We've seen that the Big Ten is really competitive when it wants to be. I think Michigan State just kind of realized they're going in a different direction. The season's completely over. They couldn't even play for a bowl game, right? And Penn State still had a lot to prove. Offensive coordinators, co-offensive coordinators, J1 Sider and Ty Howell, second game. So they're able to build some confidence, some chemistry, some consistency. And look how look how the offense jumped. Front now the defense is different, right? Rutgers, believe it or not, top five pass defense. Top 30 run defense, okay? That was a group to really get your feet wet in your first time play calling, whether it was Cider or Howell, it doesn't matter. Both of those guys, first time play callers for Penn State, and Rutgers is the kind of test to do that. And then Michigan State, that's where you can really do it. But everything went right in this game. That was really everything that we were anticipating, that we were expecting, happened. 
It did. It happened from start to finish for Penn State. Sure, a little bit of a slow start in the first half, right? The first half, but the yards were there. They just weren't finishing drives. They were doing everything up to the point until crossing the finish line. But I can't help think that Penn State missed out on a significant opportunity. Now, credit where credit's due because Michigan and Ohio State both got better too this season. I don't think that's the issue here. Penn State got better, but so did Ohio State and Michigan. So the gap was never really closed. All these things can be true. Penn State, yes, they were 10-2 and and lost the big games that they needed to win, but this team got better. They could easily beat 2022's team, probably by two touchdowns at that. And yes, a lot of that weighs on the defense, right? The defense being as elite as it is, but it got better from a season ago. I think once the offense now looking comfortable, once it finally figured itself out, but that's why you do it in this 12-game frame with the playoffs on that. You, you have to do it. You can't say, well, in the offseason, they're going to figure it out. No, you have to be able to do it in the season. I get that. I just can't help but think of all the what-ifs. And, and it frustrates me. And I know it frustrates a lot of the Penn State fan base, aside from going 10 and 2 and, and set what feels like them settling in a New Year's Six Bowl. It's not all on Mike Yersich. It's not. There were issues with the wide receivers. The run game wasn't going the way that it should have been. Drew Aller didn't make a lot of mistakes. A fumble and interception, that's pretty good for a first year starter, but was also very risk averse. Something that I would criticize for is that even though he had the time in the pocket against Michigan State, in other games, he was very quick to move off of his first progression. We say, oh, Drew Aller's so great and veteran-like because he goes through his progression. Sometimes he goes through them a little too quickly. He has to wait for those guys, those routes to develop, for those guys to get open. And sometimes he doesn't do that. Besides the point, it, it was all on the offense this year. And that is why a change was made. Penn State has a lot of things hinging on what direction they go in the offseason because that can make or break a 2024 team that, yes, I'll start this now, has a lot of potential and will most likely make the college football playoffs since they are uh, going to a 12-team slate. I I just can't help but sit back and it, it'll be it'll be like that. Hindsight's 2020. Hindsight is 2020. We we know that. It does it doesn't do a lot of justice because I, I know that this team was a college football playoff caliber type of team. They should have been at least a one loss team in the conversation, like a Louisville, like a Texas, like an Oregon. That is my point. Are they an unbeatable team? Juggernaut like a Georgia? No. But are they a team that should have been able to put itself in the conversation? Penn State did win the game, 42 to nothing. They beat Michigan State, okay? So we can linger on the finishing 10-2 and in the New Year's Six Bowl, uh, but they got third shutout of the season, right? Shut out Iowa. You shut out UMass. Now you shut out Michigan State. That's a good note to finish on going into a hypothetical New Year's Six Bowl game. So let's recap this one a little further after we hear from one of our sponsors on today's episode, and that is eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. What, what brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle. 
and level it up to its peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. And with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. And with all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. eBay Guaranteed Fit, only available to U.S. customers. And the Locked On Podcast Network is proud of this one. Launching the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube, Locked On Sports Today is here for you for you 24-7 covering the top sports stories of the day with the Locked On experts of Locked On, our national shows covering every single league. Go check out Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe for the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. Penn State shuts out Michigan State 42 to nothing. Third shutout of the season for the Nittany Lions. A lot to like from the offense. A lot to love from the defense as well because they did pitch the shutout on a neutral site, but they still was mostly a home game for Michigan State since it was in the state of Michigan. It wasn't at East Lansing, but it was in Detroit. But this was this was a really neat game. I, I'm glad that they were able to do this uh, because mostly so because it benefited Penn State a lot not having to go and play in a cold East Lansing. We saw how that turned out back in 2021. A win for Pat Craft and Penn State, not so much. I'm talking about a true moral victory when this one was announced, not so much for Michigan State. As for the box score and just analyzing the X's and O's behind this, I mean, I'll start with the play calling. The play calling was superb. Like I said, J1 Sider, Ty Howe, Probably felt confident with the type of opponent that they were playing, but certainly more comfortable. They got a little more creative. You saw blocking schemes were a little bit different. Just some tweaks. Uh, like I said, Nicholas Singleton, getting him getting him into space, getting him outside of the numbers. That was key. But the running game, it certainly helps the passing game. The things can balance each other out. It's the yin and the yang, right? When your running attack is there, you're going to have performances like, that Drew Aller has where no turnovers, absolutely efficient, close to 300 yards, and, and firing deep passes down the field. Not to, coordinated, long, deep shots down the field uh, in this game. Now, Drew Aller, excellent. Like I said, an excellent day here. 17 of 26, 292 yards, two passing touchdowns. And we also talked about how Bo Prabula would get involved as well. I, I didn't think this would be an even split of, of carries or, or I guess snaps played in the quarterback's case, but Bo Prabula had a passing touchdown and a rushing touchdown. They got creative. James Franklin said in the post-game press conference uh, when uh, interviewing uh, with the local media, saying that, yeah, we actually wanted to run more of those Bo Prabula type of plays and split split up the quarterback duties just a little bit. I wish they could have because you found a lot of success in this case. And no, Bo Prabula didn't exactly light up the stat sheet, but when they needed some short yards, when they needed a guaranteed, hey, this is going to get us where we need to go in a tight space, that's exactly what they did. The trickery, the having Aller and Prabula, not, not all the time, right? You, This isn't something that you run constantly. Half of the game, you run it in select spots where you know it's going to catch the defense uh, off guard. 
and look at the way, look at the play where they threw it to Tyler Warren and they scored. Bo Prabula on the option keeper, perfect, easy read. He held the defender because all week Michigan State saying, well, uh, Bo Prabula can't pass. He doesn't, he doesn't pass. He completed one pass. So if he's going to keep it on an option read, you take the quarterback, let the running back go into the teeth of the defense, and then you stay home and wait for Bo Prabula to run it outside. Well, the offensive coordinators knew just that and snuck Tyler Warren out to the flat, and Bo Prabula just drops it in right over him. So very, very good play designs to go along with the play calling. Singleton and Catron Allen, uh, what could you say about them? Because they look like themselves. I mean, Catron Allen averaging nine yards a carry. Nicholas Singleton, not quite that mark, but 6.6. Both of them going over 100 yards. That is the first time since 2019. Penn State did this against Rutgers that season, but Penn State had two 100-yard rushers in the same game for the first time in four years. A, a good feat to have. Trey Potts, and then that was something else that we discussed. Where's Trey Potts? When, can we see more of Trey Potts? This was someone who could have started at Minnesota but decided to transfer and come play closer to home. And he had, well, two carries, but averaging 16 and a half yards per carry, I might say. So all the running backs look good, and I'm glad that they could get uh, both Singleton and Allen over 100 yards. And then I've already brought up the wide receivers, but Singleton, Amari Evans, uh, Johnson, Cephas, Warren, right? I'm reading the list here off of the box score. Dinkins caught a pass. Trey Potts caught a pass. Malik Mega caught a pass. Oh, there were so many players that were targeted in the passing game, whereas it was condensed for a good part of the season where not a lot of names got involved. But this time, it seemed like if you didn't catch a pass, you were doing something wrong today. So the passing game uh, evolved a little bit in this case. The, the deep shot where Amari Evans, we know that he wasn't exactly 100% or just at least that's from what we gathered since he showed up on, on some of those injury reports. And then uh, for him to, he he's one of the fastest players on the team. He got behind the defense and drew Aller effortlessly throws him the football for that 60 yard pass. And I, I hate that down. If you hit the turf, you're automatically down in college football because he should have rolled into the end zone since he was untouched by Michigan State's defense, but three defenders chasing him and Drew Aller hitting him in stride. There are very few college quarterbacks that can do that. We know the potential of Drew Aller, and he reminded us that, uh, yeah, I can just throw it deep pretty seamlessly and hit him in stride. Evans didn't have to wait for the football or adjust his route. Drew Aller dropped it right in the breadbasket. I mean, there was a lot to Singleton also being your leading receiver. I thought that was kind of uh, ironic since see what you can do when you just simply get him the football in space. Stop trying to force him in between the tackles when he has all the speed, all the athleticism to be able to create on his own. He is so good at creating on his own. Why, why do that? Again, it makes it's. It's not all of Mike Yurcich's fault. It's not because all of those guys collaborate. Franklin, Yurcich, Sider, Howe. I feel like the training wheels were more or less taken off of this offense here. But still, I mean, Yurcich was calling plays. Mike Yurcich was calling plays. So something you've, you've noticed that there was a change. And do, and do remember this. I, I don't want to point the finger strictly at Mike Yurcich, but he also was 
calling a lot of good games against weaker caliber opponents too. Remember, there was the stretch of 30 plus ga- 30 plus points games, 13 in a row where Penn State had put up 30 plus points uh, against opponents. But in the games that they had lost, they were averaging just 12 points a game. And, and that was telling. You weren't winning the big game. But it certainly wasn't the defense. It was all the offense because this defense is elite playoff caliber, top five in every category that you can think of. Uh, Secondary's taken a little bit of a step back. We've addressed that on the show. At seven sacks, you held this Michigan State team to negative 35 rushing yards. Negative 35? Now, if you account, now that's because college football factors in sacking the quarterback. So all that negative yardage counts in. But if you take that away, the true statistic, 13. Yards rushing from the running backs and a couple of fake jet sweeps that Michigan State tried to do. They they had no success anywhere, but 13 yards on on design run plays by the Spartans. Penn State has a top three run defense this year, and that's where Manny Diaz was so good as a coordinator. Because last season, Penn State secondary was great. Yes, they were. The pass defense was great. The pass rush was great, but the run defense. Eh, not not so good. They're they're not, and they took a lot of criticism. They said this was going to be one of the biggest question marks going into the season, and Penn State responded with one of the biggest statements in their adjustments. And kudos to Manny Diaz. If he's looking for a head coaching job actively, or when he does, right? I want to manifest that he stays in Happy Valley for at least another season, two, three, ten. Uh, <laughs> but Manny Diaz can look and say, "Hey, this." Run defense in 2022 was okay. Look what I turned it into in an offseason. That's all he needs to show on, on his resume. Of course, it helps when you have guys like Chop Robinson and Adisa Isaac playing on that defensive line. That The dynamic duo of the two of them, and there's all the guys on defense. Devon Ellis got better. Deny Dennis Sutton played strongly this season. All of the linebackers, Curtis Jacobs, Abdul Carter. I could name everybody on this defense and say how they contributed in the run defense, but Robinson and Isaac, the two guys being able to reset the line of scrimmage, set the edge every time they're they're on defense. Those two are, are going to be missed severely next season. And I'm not saying you you can only you can't replace them. You can only adapt to, to what they to what they gave you. Chop Robinson should be a top ten pick in the NFL draft. I will keep saying that. I will keep hammering that drum because it is true. And hopefully NFL scouts see it that way. And Adisa Isaac. Disa Isaac had the best game statistically on defense. He did. And I would argue that he's a, a guaranteed day two pick. He's recovered from that injury very well. Adisa Isaac, seven tackles, one and a half tackles for loss, a sack in, in the game. He's got to be a, a second round pick at no later than a third round in, in this case. Abdul Carter flying all over the football field, had a sack, injured, left the game, did not return. Uh, just kind of ha- hung out on the sideline with his helmet off. Your concussion. Uh, some people said a wrist injury. He was grabbing his wrist on the sideline. I didn't exactly get uh, a good look a- as to what happened, but he went into the medical tent and and didn't play. Hopefully he's okay. It's at the end of the season. There's plenty of time to rest. A- at least a month if they're going to go to right the Peach Bowl or the Cotton Bowl, any of them. They're going to a New Year's Six Bowl. But if it's the Peach Bowl, it's a month and some change for him to heal up. I, I like the way that Manny Diaz did not mess around. He was still sending blitzes in the fourth quarter to give Michigan State headache. He, The killer instinct, the ability to not take it for granted 
and close out the opponent no matter what the situation. This defense, like I said, had everything going for it, and that's why it's a shame. It was it almost feels wasted in 2023. Backups get quality playing time. Keon Wiley, and I know he's not Abdul Carter, but when he's in Abdul Carter's spot, doesn't look too bad. Really doesn't look that bad. Jameel Lyons, Tony Rojas, there are some young players that maybe not even next season, but the year after when some of those other guys continue to go to the NFL, continue to graduate. Penn State's defense, depending on who's leading it, might not miss that much of a beat. But I want to remind everyone, the coordinator search for offense is important. If Penn State has to go out and find two coordinators in the offseason, that's going to be very difficult because I truly believe that 2024 is another opportunity to take a step forward. Yeah, you're going to have to replace some guys because we're going to talk about opt-outs going into this bowl game. New Year's Six Bowl game is on the horizon. I can guarantee it. I really can. And the offensive coordinator search, an update there. We're going to get to that in just a moment. Let's hear from another one of our sponsors on today's episode, and that is Game Time. You got to download the Game Time app because buying tickets to your favorite events should not be stressful. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all of your music, sports, comedy, and theater near you. The things that I like about Game Time is because I've used it. I've used it to buy tickets to sporting events. You get flash deals on those last-minute tickets. So if you're looking to go to an event last second, you get a discount on those tickets. And it's easy to find and buy tickets for every event in your area. You get to sort it and see, so you're not kind of guessing and looking around what, what is in my area. All of that's done for you on game time. Image views of the seats. You're not second-guessing yourself. You get to see what your point of view would be in every single seat in the venue so that when you get there, it lives up to the expectations. Lowest price guarantee, event cancellation, protection included. Game time is the place to get those last-second deals. So snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply again. Create an account, redeem code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for $20 off, Download game time today, a last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. And in this final segment, let's discuss what is next for Penn State. So what is next for the Nittany Lions? Well, you got an offensive coordinator search that you got to get, you got to get moving on pretty quickly here. You have the New Year's Six Bowl that you got to prepare for. You also got to think about life after some of these players end up moving on to graduating or pro football. You're going to have some opt-outs here going into the bowl game, but we'll start with the offensive coordinator search. Uh, James Franklin said he's going to be on some Zoom calls interviewing coordinators for uh, for the spot, and they, they're going to work quickly. And James Franklin highlighted what he wants to do here. He said that he wants to get somebody in the fold, like Manny Diaz was going into the 2022 season. He wants to get them in here now as quickly as possible. So they're going to vet. They're going to interview. They're going to move. They're going to move quickly through this stage and try to hire someone. Not they're not going to rush it, but I think they're going to move pretty efficiently here to try to get them, like they said, in before the bowl game. Now that I think more about it, I really do think that Joe Moorhead is a realistic candidate more so than meets the eye. Akron, I don't know how stay. I know it's a stable job from they're not going to fire him. Joe Moorhead's a very good football coach. He knows what he's doing. He knows how to build a program 
Uh, he's been successful, not necessarily at Mississippi State, but successful at Fordham, successful at Penn State, successful in two years at Oregon, uh, head coach, offensive coordinator, and he was doing pretty well at Mississippi State other than the fact of, okay, well, he's not going 10-2, and two, but he's winning Egg Bowls. He's getting you to bowl games, and, and it's he was on the right foot, but they kind of ran him out of, out of town, it seems like. But Akron, from a program standpoint, isn't exactly stable, I would say. How much is staying at Akron, being a head coach, finishing 2-10, and 10, helping your resume? How, how is that helping you get a bigger? Because we know that his ultimate goal is to get back to the Power 5 conferences and be a head coach there. How is not being successful at Akron helping out that case? Can can he? I know it's only been two years, and and they've made a little bit of progress, a little bit. But can he actually win and rebuild an Akron program that just hasn't seen any success, honestly, in the past twenty years? Maybe two years is too soon to judge in this case. But I got to think of all the benefits here between familiarity with Happy Valley, James Franklin, the Penn State program, how he wants to run it, still close to home. State College is not. A lot of his family is in the Pittsburgh area. Akron's not that far from Pittsburgh. Neither is State College. And and Joe Moorhead recruits the the state of Pennsylvania well when he needs to. And he's also going to get more money this time around. Like I said, it checks a lot of boxes here, and it makes sense. But does he want to do that? Because he is giving up another head coaching spot to come to Penn State. Does he want to do that? Well, more money might help him make his mind up, right? it, it would be more than the Akron head coaching job because according to uh, according to reports from 2022, $500,000. He was making more at Oregon as the offensive coordinator, but he was further away from home. So we know what Joe Moorhead values in this case. Like I said, it checks off a lot of boxes. I know that the offense would benefit significantly from having him. And, well, he, he doesn't have a running quarterback or he would have to start Bo Previola. No, 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 no. Drew Aller, he would be able to adapt his system so that Drew Aller could benefit from him and his offense, and Joe Moorhead could benefit from having Drew Aller as his quarterback. It's not going to try to force Drew Aller into an offensive system because that's bad coaching. That's bad coaching. You don't do that, and Joe Moorhead certainly wouldn't do that. But just as I think about it, Moorhead makes a lot of sense, and I could see it actually happening. We'll see. We'll ultimately see. There's going to be a lot of candidates, but. I, I really do think that this one makes a lot of a lot a lot of sense when you look at it closely. On to the New Year's Six Bowl. It's guaranteed. It, it is. You're wasting your time because I've seen this in my comment section now. You're wasting your time if you say that Penn State doesn't deserve a New Year's Six Bowl uh, or the committee. They're not going to get one. Both of those things are wrong. Your opinion's wrong saying that Penn State doesn't deserve one or the fact that you think that they're not going to get into one because they didn't they only beat Iowa as a ranked team. You can only beat who's on your schedule. That's the first part. The second part is again Penn State didn't lose have any bad losses. They lost by 8 on the road in Columbus against a playoff team in Ohio State and then Michigan at home by 9 who and again another player another playoff team, right? College football playoff contender, both of those teams. And you lost by single digits. You weren't blown out in this case. But the committees for any of those New Year's Six Bowls would be stupid. They would be stupid if they did not pick up Penn State in this case 
because of the market, because of the ticket sales. How many Penn State fans would go to the game itself? Penn State fans are well-traveled, and it would create a high-profile matchup. They know what they're doing. They're not going to sit back and say, well, they only beat I the only top 25 team they beat was Iowa, so we're going to pass on them. People, Penn State's a top 10 team. I have no idea why we're having this debate. But I think people are just trying to maybe grind, grind, grind the gears, maybe get under people's skin with, the, with this one. It's, it's not going to work, but I'm just trying to make a point here that they're going to get into a New Year's Six Bowl game. It's just a matter of which. I personally think the Peach Bowl, because the Cotton Bowl and the Fiesta Bowl have taken Penn State in the past five years. The Peach Bowl has never taken Penn State. And it would make a lot of sense, like the lead executive of that bowl committee said so. So they're going to wind up in the Peach Bowl. And the college football experts that said, I'll oh, take Michigan State to cover, even take them to win because Penn State's overrated. Penn State is not overrated. I'm again, I'm going to steal this one again from Josh Pate. They are properly rated. They are a top 10 team. They are. They have an elite defense with an offense that missed out on what it could have been. But they are perfectly rated as they are. A top 10 team. They're a very good 10-2 and two team. And an expanded college football playoff will give them that opportunity to say, okay, they made a couple mistakes in the season, but how good are they really? And that's what I hope the bowl game does. As for the opt-outs, Who's going to play? A lot of a lot of players are going to play in this one because what Nicholas Singleton's not going to opt out because he's coming back. Drew Aller, Katron Allen, right? Why would any of those guys opt out? Dante Cephas, Keandre Lambert Smith, if they had any plans to go to the NFL, their draft star stocks aren't exactly as high as they should be. So that's a game that they need to play in. But here are all the potential players that I could see opting out in this bowl game. Olu Fashanu, Theo Johnson, Adisa Isaac, Chop Robinson, Curtis Jacobs and Kalen King. Everybody else could be playing. They should. There is no reason they take that game off. It's The bowl game should now be looked at as the start to the 2024 season. So since those guys are probably going to get drafted pretty early in the 2024 NFL draft and are not going to be a part of the team next season, I don't expect them to play. Yeah, Theo Johnson is a day two pick. Olu Fashanu is a top 10 pick, maybe even a top five pick. I already gave my case about Adisa Isaac and Chop Robinson. Curtis Jacobs was described by an NFL scout as one of a as one of the top five linebackers, period, in next year's draft. And then Kalen King, no, he's not a first rounder anymore, but if he's a second or third round pick, probably not going to play in the bowl game too for, for anything, right? I would like to see all those guys play, but I don't know for sure what they would do. Saquon Barkley decided to play in the game and ended up becoming the second overall pick by the New York Giants. But we've seen that some players aren't as lucky. They play in that bowl game. They sustain some injuries. And James Franklin is one of the first people to not, he, he doesn't exactly convince them to go to the NFL draft, but he backs them up and supports their decision and even encourages them to go if they have the opportunity to be a high selection. And that'll do it for this edition of Locked On Nittany Lions. I appreciate you checking out this episode. It was a lengthy recap, but we had plenty to discuss between what could have been, what should have been, the actual game itself, what's ahead now. The 2024, se 2024 season has started for Penn State. Offensive coordinator search, they got to get that taken care of. Go play the bowl game. That is the first game of the 2024 season, truly, because it, it sets you up and it allows you to know what you have for 2024. And then with the transfer portal, freshman class coming in, 
you can make adjustments based on that. That game is more important to Penn State than people might think it is, even though they're missing out on the college football playoff. If you haven't already, become an everyday or subscribe to Locked On Nittany Lions on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts for more Penn State football content, more Penn State athletics content. Keep it right here on Locked On Nittany Lions.